Welcome back to Real Talk with Rachel. I am your host, Rachel Gilbert. Each and every one of you has extraordinary and unique gifts, but things like fear, insecurities, lies, and even past wounds keep us from receiving God's best and releasing those gifts into our world. This show is a safe place you can come to hear relevant, engaging, and authentic topics to help you get real, live free, and pursue your God-given dreams. Today's guest, Bonnie S. Hurst, is the author of her memoir, Test of Faith, Surviving My Daughter's Life Sentence. I'm going to go ahead and warn you to grab a box of tissues because this was a very emotional yet inspiring interview. Bonnie is one of the strongest women I've met and her heart is pure gold. Be sure to stay tuned until the end where I share a special opportunity for you to bless her daughter who is in prison and you can enter to win a copy of Bonnie's memoir. I read mine in two days, so believe me when I say you want to get your hands on this book. All right, let's jump into the very real conversation I had with Bonnie. Well, hello, Bonnie. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Rachel. It's nice to see you and and talk to you. Yeah, I feel like I already know you because I read your book this summer and I, I read it in two days. And which is a record for me. (laughs) So it's always so fun to get to meet the authors of books and things that I read, you know, get to hear your heart behind everything. So I know you well, but some people listening may not know you or heard of your book yet. So if you wouldn't mind, just kind of maybe just share a little bit about yourself and about your heart behind the book that you wrote. Well, I am a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a daughter sister and a friend and those are the relationships that nurture me my husband ron and i just celebrated our 47th wedding anniversary so that was kind of fun we have two daughters and we have four grandchildren our grandchildren are age 5 12 19 and 22. wow so we have quite a wide range there it's fun yeah well congratulations on 47 years Thank you. That's awesome. My parents celebrate 50 years next month. So that's that's, oh, that's that, pretty awesome, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely have high levels of respect for those of you who who are celebrating those number of years. So um, you recently wrote a book called Test of Faith, Surviving My Daughter's Life Sentence, which is the one I was referring to just a minute ago. Share with us what that book's about. That book is about our journey after our 36-year-old daughter was convicted and sentenced to a life in prison, life, life without parole. The story is about my journey, how I always believed that everything would work out in the best in my life, and when it didn't, I needed to grasp why didn't God answer those my prayers. So the book, Test of Faith, is it, it's an emotional book. Um, it, it's it's been interesting. You said that you cried while you were reading it. Uh, I've had that reaction from quite a few people, which kind of surprises me because, yeah, I cried when I wrote it and when <laughs> I read it. But you know, I'm I'm attached to it, so maybe that can be a blessing to other people. Uh, some of the journey that I that I we went through and and the lessons that we learned. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for me to say that I cried at a book is it says a lot because that doesn't happen for me very often. And I think that, you know, it just tugs on the heartstrings of, I mean, I'm a mom, you know, and I'm a woman of faith. And and I think all of us, you know, reading the book, while we may not relate to your exact situation, we can all relate to those heartbreaks of things didn't turn out the way, you know, we thought they would. And, you know, going, just going through some really rough times and having to wrestle that out, especially as a parent and, and everything. So what would you say, um, before we hit record on this interview, I asked you a question and I said, I'm going to ask you that again, whenever we get on there, because I would love to know who would you say the book speaks directly to? You know, I think it speaks to anyone who has had a difficult situation or trauma in their life, which is pretty much all of us. It's it's kind of a given. Someone may have lost a child, uh, a family member, something, they lost a job. I mean, it can be anything that devastates someone. And by changing the way we look at how we react to it, that is whether or not we're going to survive the trauma or not. God gives us blessings along the way, and if we're open enough to be able to acknowledge just even tiny little blessings, um, that can help us pull ourselves out of depression or the dumps or, you know, yeah. the pit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the word trauma there. I'm studying to be a therapist. And and a couple weeks ago, we were learning about post-traumatic stress disorder. And one of the things that one of my textbooks quoted was that a lot of people never get treated for trauma, you know, like get any kind of therapy or anything after that. And um, I feel like this book, while it's not a replacement for therapy, I feel like it's a really good companion to anybody who has, you know, gone through some kind of a trauma in their life, because what you've walked through definitely is traumatic. And I feel like it's almost like you are a friend to people walking through something traumatic, like, hey, guess what? It's almost like a little support group, even though it's in a book, you know, it's like, this is our story and this is how we have walked through it and how you're still walking through it, you know, because your story's not even over. So I appreciate that you've created this resource for people. Well, I, I have a lot of questions for you, but honestly, I feel like this conversation is just so... It's just so special. And I just thank you for writing the book, period. And then I thank you for, you know, doing these podcast interviews. And I I just want to be sensitive to what the Lord, the direction he wants to take us. So for people um, listening who haven't read your book yet and, you know, again, aren't familiar with your story, tell us a little about your daughter, Lacey. Lacey was a very goal-oriented young woman. She held down several different jobs she was very good at the majority of things that she did. She is a nurturer. The, the unfortunate part was that she, her husband was into some drugs, and in that world, she was surrounded by people who weren't always God-fearing. And that is kind of what happened. Um, a, a girl was killed. And fingers pointed to Lacey as being a murderer for hire. Yeah. Can you tell us about the one of the the part of your book that I read that made me cry? One of I won't say all of them was the chapter where you talked about the day that she was sentenced to life in prison. Can you share a little bit about that? Oh, that's a hard one. Yeah, I even cry on that one. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, and now and that's the first chapter of the book, just warning of everyone that uh, it gets better after the first. It's not quite as tear jerky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we didn't anticipate a guilty verdict. That's what we got. And because of the nature of the crime, she was sentenced to life in prison without parole. I'll just let people read the book. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would probably start getting really emotional if I gave too many details on, on the sentencing day or the, the conviction day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, was the date of it November 16th? Yes. Okay. The only reason I remember that, I know that's kind of weird. My do- my oldest daughter's birthday is November 16th. So that was a double, double tearjerker for me when I saw that. Uh-huh. But yeah. So to your point though, on this, just so you listeners know, on this particular podcast, we're not going to go into the details of all this. You know, you need to read the book to hear the details. Where I want to go with this conversation with you is really, you know, exactly like what you mentioned in the beginning, how you've walked through, you know, and you, and, and you've relied on faith. So I know some questions that some of the people that I connect with on online, I asked them if they have any questions for you. And I felt like they, they all had some really great ones. And one of them was they, uh, they asked if you still stay in touch with your daughter when she's in prison. Oh, yes, all the time. The prison system actually has what I call the jail email. And everything is monitored through that. But she can send me an email in the morning and I can get it in the afternoon. That's kind of nice to Anyway, the jail email, she can also do snail mail, and and those are very nice. She's one of these very thoughtful people who always looks ahead at what celebrations are coming up or what, whose birthday or anniversary, and she's always sending cards out and making sure she's staying in touch with other people. So, yes, we, we get to communicate, you know, quite often. Yeah. Well, that's awesome that... That's that's really neat. Um, that, and I'm curious, and uh, other people were also curious, has she read your book that you wrote? Yes, she has. Um, she was actually relieved when she found out I was writing it because mm. she knew that I had dove into a deep depression. So when I shared with her that I was writing about it, she says, oh, Mom, I'm so thankful because she knew that would make it so that I could uh, pull myself out of the depression, Mm. out of the sadness. She actually helped me write and and get a lot of the facts correct uh, in the book. Uh, For instance, I wrote part of, well, it's actually the first chapter, where I explained or described uh, the officers, and I said they had gold badges on and she says, no, mom, those are, those are silver badges for those people, you know, and that's not something I would have even realized. So, so she helped me fine tune details that were beyond me. It was, it was really a blessing. We, we did a lot of communication on the book. She helped me do edits on it. it it's turned into a true blessing of both of us working on the book. Yeah. Wow. Now you mentioned in there that really, part of writing this book was, you know, you were in such a deep depression. Did did writing the book, was it therapeutic for you in helping you get out of that depression? It was definitely. You know, I've heard the adage where you're not supposed to write for healing. For me, that's what healed me. I had journals that I wrote in. I, I, I wrote prayers 
please, God help me, or I lifted my family up in these journals, or just my feelings on the page or something that was going on during the day. Those journals morphed into this book. They were the impetus for the book. I filled two full journals over a couple years. And when I realized that there, God was pulling me to write this story, this is not a story that I would have wrote. Um, I'm a feel-good person. I want to. I want to watch Hallmark Channel, you know, movies. So, yes, the healing part of it. When I got to about the third or fourth to the last chapter, when I was starting to realize that, hey, it's been seven years and she's still in prison, but we've had some blessings along the way. And when I started writing all of those blessings down it was like okay this book is healing me so maybe it will heal someone else yeah and you know I think part of what um was therapeutic to you but also is therapeutic to people reading it is that just like we mentioned in the beginning everybody has walked through really hard things, but very few people let other people get a glimpse into it because we are real quick to talk about all the feel good stuff and that, you know, this is what's going right in my life. And these are all the victories we've had, but, but it is very hard for people to be vulnerable and transparent and share that. And, and I know, you know, my, my podcast name is real talk with Rachel. Like that's my heart is to give voice to some of these stories that, you know, people need to hear, you know, <laughs> and see how you're walking through it and see how God has, just like you mentioned. I mean, the mere fact that you can even get on here and talk about it and talk about how you wrote down your blessings and things that have gone right, you know, that's huge. And that, that right there sets other people free to go, wow, yeah, this may not be the best thing that I ever imagined and not what I planned for my life, but if she can make it through, maybe I could too. I wanted to share with you, I, I watched an Instagram feed of yours this morning, that uh, the fear of opening that door. And that really connected with me this morning. I thought, okay, well, that, that really makes sense because my publication day was yesterday. My book came out yesterday. And the fear that I wrote this and I really want people to read it, but oh my, people are going to read it. Yes. <laughs> you know? And so that's a, a, a true fear. So listening to your podcast this morning about opening that door and stepping through, that really spoke to me. So thank you for your podcast or your your uh, video things that you do on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. And you know that hearing stories like that are what keep me going. I love how God works like that, that he just constantly is sending people into our lives to encourage us like, you can, come on, you know, one more step, you can do it. And just like your mm -hmm. book, your book blessed me. And then I turned around and something that God spoke, you know, through that. So that's awesome. Yeah. So as we're the time we're recording this, your book released on September 24th, correct? Yes. Yes. So um, I'm excited for people to get their hands on that. That's been awesome. I think I saw that you guys recently shared that it's been 10 years, right, since the... Yes, November 16th this year in 2019. Well, actually, it's nine years that she will have been in prison in November. Okay. But it's 10 years since she was arrested. Okay. So... Mm -hmm. Okay. And how would you say that, really, the question is, when did you start, or when did you decide that you were going to write the book, and how... How are you now, 10 years later, like in relation to where you were in the beginning stages? Oh, that's an interesting question. I started writing the book 
at a writing workshop, actually, in uh, Gig Harbor, not Gig Harbor, I'm sorry, that's where Lacey is right now, on Woodby Island. It was a Hedgebrook, and it was a writing workshop, and I was very blessed to have an excellent teacher there, Danny Shapiro, who has become a mentor. And she encouraged me to write what was on my heart. And from there, I, I spent a week purging the painful memories onto the page. I mean, I think for those two years before I started writing, I had just blocked everything out because it was too painful. The, the writing then, when I went home from that workshop, just flowed out of me. I'd sit out on the deck in the mornings where, the, where it's nice and peaceful, quiet, and listen to the birds and cry while I was writing. Um, it, like, like I said, it was a healing just by putting it all down on the, on paper where I am now. I feel like because I have gone through the publishing, I I finished writing this actually on our, our 45th wedding anniversary, September 1st. Mm. That was the end of when I quit writing the book. And so it's been two years since then. And then you're in the process of, publication or finding a publisher, that type of thing. It's a whole nother journey, but I feel that my book is out there for a reason, that God led me to write that for a reason, and I'm hoping that other people will be able to connect with it and maybe heal their own lives. Uh, maybe Maybe it's one little sentence that they read. I always, when I when I read other people's stories, memoirs especially, it may only be one sentence that connects with me that is like, ah, oh, I never thought of it that way. And so I'm hoping that my book can can open people's hearts to look at things differently and maybe start counting blessings instead of diving into the depression pit. Yeah, yeah. And you know, one of the things I think that is that was therapeutic about your process and for people listening today who are in that depression pit is the thing about trauma is often when trauma is still so fresh on our hearts and our minds and and is affecting our day-to-day it's hard for people to go back and revisit those memories like what you mentioned it's too painful like I can't I can't go there and there probably is a season right after that you're like nope it's too too fresh too painful can't do it but when the Lord leads like even if somebody listening today is like I'll never write a book about it okay well this is at least a reminder to journal about it you know just like what you said like there's just that's just so therapeutic so um, I I love that that you shared that as well. And, you know, um, you know, the title of the book, the main title is Test of Faith. I'm curious, you know, you mentioned earlier that you guys honestly were just completely shocked by the verdict. Like, you know, that was not what you prayed for. It's not what you expected. Um, So can you tell us a little about how your faith just period was just shook after the verdict did not go the way that you had prayed and planned for? Through all of my life, God has always answered my prayers. I felt like I kind of led a charmed life. And when I prayed this time, I threw out the whole 19 months that she was out on bail. You know, she was with us and I prayed continually. And I believe during those 19 months that miraculously we were going to get a not guilty verdict. When it came down as a guilty verdict, I, I felt like, oh, Lord, where were you? Did you take a vacation or something? Where are you? How could this have happened? And it it th- 
threw me for a loop. I continued to pray, but I don't think I really ever believed that he was listening or that my prayers would be answered ever again. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate so, to that. Yeah, it it I mean God has always been there and I can look back over those trying times afterwards. And even my journal writing, I, there was a journal that I share in the book that how could I have written that just a few days after my daughter was convicted? And I'm still believing that God is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. How? Where would you say that you are today on that thought process about that maybe God's not really listening to your prayers after all? I believe that a lot of my prayers have been answered along the way. I just didn't realize very blessed when our grandkids, Lacey's kids, came to live with us about six months after she was sent to prison. That, I think, was God's answer to please help me. Because by having those kids in the house, that made me have to pull myself out and have to function, at least for a little while. You know, when the kids go off to school, then I crawled back into bed. But God was answering all along. And so now, in present day, I believe he, he still continues to bless us. We, um, we see a lot of positives in our lives. The kids are doing well. Ron and I just celebrated our 47th wedding anniversary. You know, when, when you go through trauma as a family, I think you're very blessed if you come out the other side intact. Mm, yes. Oh, that's such a great point because you're absolutely right. In the midst of all this, you could have lost your marriage. You could have lost your grandkids. You know, you, you could have uh, not all, you could have all gone your separate ways. And it sounds like you've maybe come closer together. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. And, and I also just want to thank you for sharing that openly about that, you know, that your faith was rocked enough that you're like, I don't even know if he's listening. I think almost all of us have had some form of an experience like that in our lives where, you know, things did not turn out the way that we thought we would. Maybe a loved one died when we've been praying for their healing or, you know, all kinds of things that happen. And, um, and I think that God actually loves when we come to him and just tell him, hey, I don't even think you're listening anymore. You know, sometimes we think he doesn't, we can't say those types of things to him. And, and to me, that's not rude to him. That's that's being honest with him. Like that's being vulnerable and sharing our heart and just saying, this is where I'm honestly at, you know, and this is where, and, and he always just meets us right where we're at. So, so thank you, because I know that's going to bless people to hear that, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You also discussed in your book that you felt guilt when you couldn't help your daughter, Lacey. How did you experience that and how do you feel like you overcame it? Oh, I think as moms, we all experience that mom guilt. Mm. Our kids didn't get in the school we want them to get into. Um, They are going through a rough time. You know, the mom guilt finger just kind of points at us. And when Lacey was convicted, I I mean, I've always been a self-help person. I can figure anything out. I can do the solutions. I I just never ask for help. And God guided me to ask for help through this, which became a huge blessing. I asked a bubble of friends to to sit with us on the the courtroom benches, you know, in pretrial appearances. And... By me asking for help, 
became probably the, the most tremendous blessing I could have received throughout this. Uh, I probably didn't see it at the time as a blessing um, because I was so in pain and trauma during the entire procedures and the trauma of, of the 18 months out on bail and then when she was convicted. But when I look back and I count, that, that blessing is huge. Me being guided to ask for help and then help arriving. Yeah, and you didn't always, you weren't always one that easily asked for help, were you? Before no, this? I never asked for help. Yeah. <laughs> I never, never, never asked for help. So that was, that was a huge moment when uh, God guided me to do that. Yeah. What would you say to somebody listening who struggles to ask for help for various reasons? Do you have any advice for them? Um, share your vulnerability. I think that's why I never asked for help. To, to ask for help would mean I wasn't competent, that I wasn't capable. Mm -hmm. But by showing my vulnerability and asking my friends to be with us when I needed them, that blessed me and it blessed them. And what would you say that as you reach out for help, obviously it was a blessing to you to have people come alongside and help you. But do you feel like it also blessed those people who did come to help you as well, that you would even trust them enough to reach out and, and ask them to help you? Yes, I think it does. When, when we allow others to see our pain and allow them to, maybe all they're doing is joining you for coffee in the morning. Maybe they're handing you a book that says, hey, you might, you know, you might appreciate that. Just by showing your vulnerability and allowing others to help you, helps them feel blessed mm. because you have given them your heart to hold. Yeah. It, I mean, it can, it can work as a blessing in both ways. Yeah. And do you have any practical advice for, I know for some people when they have friends or family walking through a traumatic event, uh, sometimes they want to help, but they're kind of like, I don't know what to say, or I don't know what to do. You know, what's the best way that they can help those people without feeling nervous that they're going to do or say the wrong thing? Sometimes all we need is someone, it's just like when someone passes and you're in grief. Sometimes all we need is someone to sit quietly and just be there. Mm -hmm. Not to, oh, this happened and you, that shouldn't have happened and, and I'm so angry that this happened for you. That's not really what most people who are grieving need or want. I think just open your heart to them and say, hey, I can, I can do your grocery shopping today for you or give me a list or I'm in town right now. What do you need? Mm. Just, just little things that show that you're thinking of them and that you're willing to help. Yeah. I love that last statement you said right there. I'm in town right now. What do you need? You know, just um, because I think that is that is more powerful than just saying, let me know if you need anything, you know, just kind of open ended. I feel like very few people will take you up on that offer. But if it's more specific and directive, I'm literally at the store right now. Did you need, you know, something right. while I'm here? You know, so I like that you brought that up. Do you have any advice for any people listening who have incarcerated loved ones? Stay in contact with them. The prison system actually has a very good communication system. Stay in contact with them. I have shared my daughter's address uh, so that other people can write to her. There's quite a few friends and relatives that write regularly to her, which is a huge blessing. She has something then to occupy her time, something to look forward to in the mail. 
you could put money on their phone account or you can also purchase books through a major retailer like Amazon or christianbooks.com. Those kind of books are available to go in, but you need to also check with the prison requirements uh, before you do send things like that. There's all sorts of ways that you can support a loved one or incarcerated loved one. Yeah. So if there were any listeners who wanted to send Lacey something, are they allowed to have that address or no? Yes, they are. I can share that later. It's a very detailed address, so I don't have it on the tip of my tongue. Okay. Well, we'll make sure to put that in the show notes, though, anyway. So anybody listening wants to bless Lacey with a fun book or a note of encouragement or something, I think that would be awesome. Um, I know I plan to do that myself. So thank you. Yeah. And you already. Yeah. So we already talked about the Lacey's thoughts on the book and that she helped helped you with it. I'm curious if Lacey were on this interview with us today, she was weighing in her, you know, getting to share and stuff. What do you think that she would say? Oh, she would probably ask for prayers uh, for her appeal so that we can win an appeal and maybe shorten her sentence time. That's always a possibility, and that would be something that would be awesome to receive. Yeah. Can you share any more details with us about when that will happen or so we can be praying or... I really can't share details. Uh, It's in the appeal right now, and we have a lawyer that's been working on it for a year. Um, We feel very positive that we could have something good, you know, in the next year. Yeah. So any prayers in that uh, realm would be awesome. A shortened sentence uh, exoneration would be excellent. (laughs) Uh, Just prayers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we don't we don't need to know details to pray. We'll just we'll just be praying until we until we hear something from you. What about? Um, I know Lacey has a couple of kids, right? Yes. And how are they doing? Uh, they're doing very well. Blaine is twenty two now. He works as uh, an electric lineman. He uh, he lives over in Montana right now. He's he's just done wonderful. And Mary is nineteen. She works at a barista coffee shop right now, and they're both just very healthy. They've come through this trauma fairly well. Uh, I have tried to limit what I wrote about them in the book because they're going to have their own story mm-hmm. to tell someday. Yeah, and have they read your book? Uh, Mary's in the midst of it right now, and she'll ask questions because I have put pseudonyms for lots of names in there other than family and friends. And she's like, well, who is this? And because it's a very small town, so she would know the majority of the people in it. Uh, it's been interesting to watch her read the book. My grandson, I don't think he has read it yet. My husband read it. It's difficult if you're part of the story, and it's been such a painful journey to read it. So I feel blessed when they do. And I'm being blessed all the time for people who are reading it now and and sharing their thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah. No, I can definitely understand that. And you know, what part of the other thing that made me so attached, I think, to the book was I grew up in a small town, just like exactly what you're talking about. So I have seen up close and personal 
small towns can be great for many reasons, and they can also be horrible for many reasons, you know. I remember as a teenager, if I was speeding, somebody would call my dad, you know, five minutes later, I just saw Rachel speeding down the highway. So I I know how, I just can only imagine how things were, were very hard for your family, because um, like I said, I just, I just know how that is. So anyhow, thank you for, for sharing all of that. So do you have any advice for anybody who's listening today who is currently in the trenches of maybe just getting some, you know, some devastating news that is really just life-changing for them? I guess what I would suggest or advise maybe is that feel the pain, you know, go into it and know that God is going to help you through to the other side. Allow yourself to drop into the depression if you need to cry cry your heart out just fall into those emotions as deeply as you can but then when you're ready start looking at what good can come of this what what can i see you know what started me on looking at blessings was just going outside and looking in nature appreciating the hummingbird flitting back and forth between the feeders and seeing that God's creation is there for me to enjoy and to acknowledge. If you can start with baby steps, looking at the, a dew-kissed flower or a sunrise or a sunset, just appreciate that there's a bigger world out there and don't crawl into yourself and not allow God's nature and God's blessings to touch you or even your friends to be blessed by your, by your pain. They can help you through that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that perspective on feeling the pain, because I think that that's a step people, we all want to skip, right? You know, nobody likes to feel pain, but it's... Well, we love to skip it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, um, but when we skip it, we miss part of the healing journey and our, part of that process. And so I love that you said that. And then I, I also just love... You know, the way you just described going out in nature, that's really how you write as well. I think that's what makes your book also so good is like you draw, you're very descriptive with your words and you feel like you're actually in the story, which as my daughters would say, that's what makes a great story. They're like, mom, I felt like I was in the story. I felt like I was in the book. <laughs> so they get sent out. thank you. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, Bonnie, before we hop off, I would love to know so my listeners can know also, how can we pray for you and your household? I think just to lift us up as a family and keep us close together and, and keep us close to God. That's where we've been blessed the most is by God's grace, we have survived this. We're still going through it, but I've written a book guided by his hand that possibly can help other people, and that's a huge blessing. Yeah. And thank you for letting us all just be a part of watching your journey and, and uh, praying for you guys along the way. Yeah. And so you did say your husband, you just celebrated your 47th anniversary. I'm curious, did this experience like bring trials into your marriage or did it pull you apart, make you stronger, all of the above? 
Well, I share that a little bit in the book, so I won't give any teasers on that. I'll let people to come to their own conclusions on that. Okay, yeah. So bottom line is, if you're listening and you're drawn into this conversation, you just need to get the book. It's a, it's a really great read and a quick read in my case. So, so Ovani, thank you again for just taking the time to come on, share your heart, and for writing the book. I appreciate it. I've been blessed by it, and I know people listening to this today are also going to be blessed by it. Thank you, Rachel. I appreciate your your podcast and, and even your Instagram feeds. They are just uplifting. Thank you. Wasn't Bonnie's story so inspiring? I asked her for permission to share her daughter's address so we can send her words of encouragement in prison. Can you even imagine how fun it will be for her to receive mail from strangers who heard her mom on a podcast? So please find her address in today's show notes. And if you want to win a copy of Bonnie's memoir, she's giving away two copies to some lucky listeners. You can text the phrase Real Talk Giveaway, that's all one word, to the number 44222 on your cell phone. And don't worry, this does not add your cell phone or your email to any list. It's just an easy way to keep track of the entries. And bonus, once you enter once, you are entered for all future giveaways. So make sure you get on that list. All right, friends, that's all that I have for today. I pray this episode brought you one step closer to getting real, living free, and pursuing your God-given dreams. I will see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.